You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. I want to welcome everyone to this live stream tonight. Um, we're going to be talking about a number of things. And as we're getting started here and waiting for people to get on the live stream, uh, I just want to encourage you to put your um, comments and questions in the uh, comment box. I'll be doing some Q&A. I'm going to talk about a few things tonight. I wanted to come on tonight. Normally, I don't do a midweek live stream, um, but I wanted to talk about a number of things. And since we didn't have a show last week, uh, there was just a number of things on my mind that I wanted to bring up. So I thought we, I would jump on here. But I also want to make time to answer your questions. So if you do have questions, uh, go ahead and put those in the comments box. Hopefully some people will get on the stream here and join us. I always like to know who's watching and from where. So if you are watching us live right now, oh, our my friend Laura Sanders from Woodlands, Texas is watching me on YouTube. Hey, Laura. And uh, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone for all your prayers for me over the last month. It's been a very challenging season for me, losing two very good friends in the span of 33 days. And um, it's been uh, very hard, but also quite encouraging. Um, everyone's notes and prayers just so appreciated as I've struggled through this season. Um Tonight, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the deconversions that have been happening in the news. Had a lot of people asking me about Joshua Harris, uh, the Marty Sampson thing happening from Hillsong. So I wanted to make a few comments about these deconversions. Also wanted to offer the bulk of the time tonight to talk about um, questions that come up a lot. I get a lot of questions about my views on Bethel Church. Todd White, Supernatural Ministry. And I think I kind of hold a little bit of an unusual position on those issues. So I wanted to share some things tonight. I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, Todd White's fire tunnels. But if you want to have uh, ask me any questions related to Bethel, the supernatural healing, deliverance, um, any of those topics, whether you are a cessationist or a continuationist, uh, no problem. Uh, you won't be uh, made fun of here. This will be a safe conversation for you to just be curious and inquire. So I want to um, welcome all those questions tonight and would love to hear from you as we talk about these things. So I did a poll a few weeks ago about should I do a video on uh, Todd White's fire tunnels? I'm sure that all my friends who are Lutheran and Reformed were the ones clicking on what's a fire tunnel and <laughs> The people who follow me who are uh, more in the Bethel Supernatural Ministry stream um, were like, yes, I really want to know what your view is on that. So I'm going to finally talk about that tonight. Um, but first, I wanted to offer a few comments about the deconversions that have been happening. Uh, the whole Joshua Harris thing from a couple of weeks ago, announcing that he was leaving his wife and or separating from his wife, I guess be more accurate. I don't know who's leaving who, but, um, and then also that he's, he's basically no longer identifying as a Christian at this point in his life. Very sad situation. I, you know, 
I'm a little too old to have been part of purity culture or been influenced, impacted by that. It was, um, I was actually married and an adult by then. And I, that just really wasn't a stream of Christianity that I was in at that time. I was sort of out of mainstream evangelicalism, uh, from the mid nineties on when I was reformed. And, um, that just really wasn't part of the conversation that I was in. So I don't have too much to say about Josh Harris other than, uh, pray for him. Um, I don't have any strong beliefs about purity culture. Cause I just really don't know that much about it. I just, again, it wasn't a stream that I was in, but I do have some very specific comments about this whole Marty Sampson situation happened a few days ago. He made an announcement on Instagram um, about his faith. And many people took his comments to be a deconversion. But today there was another news story out that he is actually not technically totally deconverted, but he did say that his faith is on thin ice. He has since um, deleted the Instagram post. You can't see it anymore. But there are a few good points that I would like to make about it. Uh, beyond Marty Sampson in just offering some more general comments based on my 20 years of working in apologetics. Uh, there's some definitely some threads there that I see. And I want to encourage everyone, if you're joining, uh, if you're watching me, I'd love to know who you are and uh, just put your um, where you're watching from uh, in the chat box. I'd love to hear from you and I will take comments and questions later um, in the broadcast. So I've got Marty Sampson's statement here. We're going to put that graphic up on the screen here. I had a screen cap of it before he took it down. Um, he says, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it, it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now and I'm at peace with the world. It's a crazy, it's crazy. This is a soapbox moment. So here I go. Um, how many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God love yet send 4 billion people to a place because all, all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. I want genuine truth not the I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of, um, lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. I unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what is true for me right now, and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't love and forgive. Absolutely. Be kind. Absolutely. Be generous. Do good to others. Absolutely. Some things are good. No matter what you believe, let the rain fall. The sun will come up tomorrow. Okay. So let's go back to the first slide there. And I want to make a couple of, of points here that he's talking about. First of all, um, let's talk about this business of not many miracles happening. I think that's actually a pretty uh, provocative point, and I want to cover that later in the broadcast uh, related to Todd White and that whole Bethel um, supernatural ministry stream. So I'm going to table that for now. Uh, why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. And then he's he's asking the question about uh, are all people saved? 
And then he goes into this this thing at the bottom. I don't. I'm not interested in. I just believe it. Kind of truth. Um, science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Um, I just want to say right now to Marty, and and I don't know if if anyone has contact with Mr. Marty Rob um, Sampson from Hillsong, um, and I just want to say like, look, I, I get it that you feel like your faith is on thin ice, and you're asking really provocative questions. And I feel bad for you that there's no Christians in your life that have been able to answer these questions for you. I feel like you've been really gypped in um, not having someone in your life who can help you work through these things. These are actually very basic questions that we deal with all the time in theology and apologetics. And, and I don't, you sound sort of like you've never had exposure to these ideas. So, Hey, reach out to me. Um, if you really want to know what science has to say and, and um, how it fits with the Christian faith, reach out to me. You can find me, uh, just Google me and um, reach out to me. I run an online school, an entire online school, where all we do is talk about the highest levels of science and the conversation of how it fits with scripture. Um, if you are serious about this inquiry and you are serious about trying to look into these questions, I would invite you to come over and just um, have a conversation with me and my colleagues. We would be happy to talk to you. Uh, I'd be happy to get you into some courses. And for anyone else who's watching the broadcast, if these are questions that you're dealing with, grappling with, uh, there are answers available. There are people who have thought through these questions um, in a quite a sophisticated and detailed manner. And I would invite you to dig a little deeper but I think that the the issue with Marty Sampson is that um, uh, it raises to me a bigger question of what are we doing in evangelicalism that we are not engaging in um, conversations where people are getting substantive answers to their faith. Like how are people growing up in the church and... Um, not being taught how to how, what they believe and how to wrestle through these types of, in my opinion, very basic questions. We have to understand that we live in a day and an age in a cultural moment right now where our culture is completely antagonistic against us. I mean, that's just where we are. And that's actually nothing new. If we were to go back in history um, to the early church, that was the cultural moment that they were in. We have had the advantage of um, when I was growing up that there was a certain level of reinforcement in the culture of values. Like you go to church and there were certain values and those values were somewhat played out in the broader culture. We're not in that situation now. Now Christian parenting involves um, teaching your kids that the culture is completely against your whole worldview system, your whole value system. And um, it's hard. And Christian parenting today has got to include a discipleship component that helps kids and teens wrestle through these very questions that Mr. Sampson has, is wrestling with in, in his post. Um, these are not things that we should be waiting for until people's faith is in crisis. Like if you wait to have a, a conversation with your kid about hard questions related to their faith and their faith is in crisis, it's probably almost too late. You're going to have to let things run their course 
and hope that they come back to the faith. The time for those conversations is when they're young and do those conversations early and often. And um, you really want to be weaving those discussions um, into your everyday life. And the, the Christian parents are not in a situation now where we can just take it for granted that um, people are going to support our, our values. The broader culture is going to support our values. So, you know, but then that also leads me to questions about youth ministry. Um, And, you know, there's great programs out there like Awana that do Bible memory, but only a couple of years ago has Awana even started to incorporate any sort of apologetics uh, component into their curriculum uh, Sean McDowell now um, has a whole year of that in, in one of the years of the high school Awana program. But just because your kid even knows a lot of scripture doesn't mean that they're culturally literate. We have to teach people how to not to just exegete scripture, but also how to exegete the culture and to understand our culture. And I talk to young people all the time and they are functionally biblically illiterate. They do not know the basics, even if they've been through Awana, even if they've memorized a lot of scripture, there's, there's massive holes. And I see this in, in kids who grow up in the church. And so it's no wonder to me that they can so easily um, get entangled with views from the world and very few um, youth ministers are incorporating apologetics into youth ministry. And I don't know why, to be totally honest, I don't know how a church hires a youth pastor if part of their way of doing youth ministry doesn't include apologetics. I mean, I don't understand how you even, as a senior pastor, um, start hiring somebody like that because... We live in such a difficult culture. If if all your youth group is doing is having activities and um, having fun with the kids and teaching them about premarital sex, that's not going to be enough to help them graduate their faith into adulthood. It's just not. And you as a parent is going to you're going to have to pick up the slack and I would encourage a two-pronged approach of also pressuring the um, senior level pastoral leadership at your church that when when it's time to hire a youth pastor, they, they have to have a youth pastor who can teach the word and teach students how to exegete the culture, how to understand some things about their faith. Otherwise, these deconversion stories are going to become the norm. They're going to become part of what we hear all the time. And if we're not being vigilant about that, um, I just don't know how we're going to change the tide. It's going to be some really rough waters ahead. So um, yeah, that's just kind of my take on it. And I want to, again, encourage you, if you are watching the live stream, send in your questions, um, type them in the box. I'm going to talk a little bit about Todd White and transitioning into that. But if you want to talk more about youth ministry or biblical literacy or trends that you see, go ahead and um, jump into the conversation there. Um, All right. So let's talk about Todd White and the Todd White 
phenomena of fire tunnels. So um, we don't need the audio here, but we're just going to play a little a little video clip and I'm just going to let it play in the background while I talk. And I keep getting requests asking for my perspectives about um, this practice at, at Bethel Church in Reading and um, other variations of the new apostolic reformation stream of Christianity. And you can see this fire tunnel here. So what happens is people line up, there's two lines and then people walk through the two lines and you can see people laying on the ground. And these are all the people who have already walked through the fire tunnel. And this is at a Todd white event, probably in Dallas. Um, and so people walk through the fire tunnel and then you can see someone coming through the fire tunnel here. They can't even walk. People drag them um, off to the side. And sometimes they lay there, I guess, for hours. I've had people recount for me their firsthand. Yeah, there's Todd White with the big, long dreadlocks there. Um, people lay there for hours. And um, this might seem like a very odd practice to you if you've never seen this before. But it's actually quite common in neo-charismatic churches and there's another guy who's going to get dragged to the side. There's another one that's coming along. So people lay hands on the person as they're walking through the, the tunnel of people. And uh, you can go on YouTube and search for fire tunnels and you'll see videos like this. There's someone laid out on the floor. Um, and you just, as they're walking through the tunnel, they say more Holy spirit, more, 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 and put hands on their head. And, and um, so, yeah. So here's another video that I have. Uh, this is a fire tunnel uh, that includes uh, uh, that poor girl. Yeah, we'll go to the next one. Uh, this this fire tunnel, I think, is at Bethel, and it includes uh, anointed puppet. No, it doesn't need the sound. Um, we're getting it going here. So here it is. This is a little more primitive there's a camera a lot of screaming um and here's a, they come out the fire tunnel on the other side there's see there's more people laying on the ground very similar and there's a puppet the puppet's got the holy ghost they're just knocking people over with the holy ghost i i, I don't even know what to make of that that's crazy so i just thought it was sort of humorous so you can go on youtube <laughs> you just type in fire tunnel with puppets and this one comes up, but there you, some people laugh, they fall down, you drag them off. There's the puppets giving them some kisses in the Holy Ghost, I guess. I don't know what's happening there. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then the sh body shaking, that's very common. People go through these fire tunnels. Okay, so what's happening here? Uh, what are we to think about all of this? And I'm going to try to construct my answer here in light of, a few um, trains of thought. One is my background as a theologian, but also my experience and background as a deliverance minister. So I'm a little bit, uh, if you read, I'm a little unusual. If you read uh, JP Moreland's kingdom triangle, um, that is uh, a good description of kind of my philosophy of ministry, um, trying to balance the three pillars of the kingdom. So anyways, um, and with with this uh, in mind, um, I guess the first thing I want to address is the question, is there biblical warrant for fire tunnels? Like, is there any biblical 
basis for this practice? Well, no, not really that I could find. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily a problem either. I mean, there's no biblical warrant for believing and doing a lot of things that we do uh, in the church today. For example, there's no biblical warrant for believing in the planet Jupiter. There's no verse about Jupiter. There's no verse about galaxies. Uh, there's, there's no verse about believing in electrons. I mean, there's a lot of things that we believe in that we think are true that we know are true, um, that are not in the scriptures, but that, that, that's not just cause there's not a biblical warrant for something. Doesn't mean that it's not real. Um, so, um, we know the things about science, what we call science, uh, through the type of revelation we call general revelation. Uh, but we also don't have biblical warrant for many practices in our churches, such as the practice of Sunday school. There's, there's no Bible verse that talks about Sunday school. There's no Bible verse about using grape juice in the Lord's Supper. In fact, I think I could probably make a pretty good case that we should um, use wine in, in the Lord's Supper. Uh, there's no Bible warrant about employing a children's pastor. Uh, from what we know from history and tradition, in fact, um, worship services were all intergenerational. Uh, so, but we hire children's pastors all the time. There's no biblical warrant for a church secretary, but we have that human tradition. Uh, we do many, many things that, that don't have biblical warrant. So uh, you don't need to DM me about, um, you know, there's no Bible verse for fire tunnels. I, I'm clear about that, but we also have all kinds of practices and beliefs that are based on general revelation and the tradition of men, even if we want to say that we don't. And even if we say things like I have no creed, but Christ and, and no book, but the Bible, but we have, we have all kinds of beliefs that are not in the Bible. So I think the really critical question is, is the practice of fire tunnels somehow anti-biblical? That to me is a more important question. In other words, does it contradict scripture? Is it against scripture? Which in my view is a, is a different question in entirely. So I'm just going to check the comments here. Okay. Juad has a question. Juad, thanks for tuning in on this impromptu live stream. And I'm going to come back to your question. Okay, brother. Um, in a charismatic church, Cassie says on YouTube, in my charismatic church, we emphasize experiencing God. There isn't much emphasis on apologetics. Some might say the experience nullifies the need for apologetics thoughts. I actually think it's a very important question and it really goes to, um, what I'm talking about here with Todd White, because, um, I think that I have a deep appreciation and respect for people who are charismatic, I would call myself a continuationist. I do believe that God is still working today through uh, miracles. But um, every tradition in Protestantism, I think, has its shadow side, its weakness. And I think that the weakness in the charismatic church is um, that people get really caught up in pursuing these types of experiences like the fire tunnel um, and they, they're not adequately biblically grounded. And when that happens, then they can get 
really mixed up, which we'll talk about in a minute. I think that the, in the ideal world, we need both. We need um, people who um, engage in discernment and thoughtful uh, discernment of spirits. In fact, I have a Bible verse here from First Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to the good. Reject every kind of evil. And I think that in particular, what it's talking about in verses 21 and 22 about testing all things, holding on to what it is good, rejecting every kind of evil is tying us back to what it says in verse 20 to not treat prophecies with contempt. In other words, when you think the Holy spirit is saying something, test it, hold on to that, which is good or true and let go of that, which is evil. I think that we don't do enough in charismatic churches to teach people um, how to discern the spirits. Um, discernment of spirits is actually a spiritual gift. If you look in first Corinthians chapter 12, it's often mistranslated uh, just as the gift of discernment. But if you look in the Greek, it's discernment of spirits. And I think that the discernment of spirits is connected to that gift is actually deliverance. Um, I actually think that that's probably like one of my top gifts. And so when we talk in charismatic churches to having an openness to the Holy Spirit, I think that that's a, that's a good thing. But what I see is the, um, the downside of that is that charismatic churches almost never, some do, there are notable exceptions, but it is rare that they have programs in theology and apologetics to really train people on the basics of their faith. And then we get to situations like Marty Sampson from Hillsong asking very basic questions about their faith for which they think that there are no answers. And those of us who are in the apologetic stream look at his questions and we think like, have you, has no one ever sat you down and catechized you? I mean, that's the old fashioned word for taught you about what you believe and why you believe it. I mean, I'm so sad for Mr. Sampson that um, this is the predicament that he, that he finds himself in. Um, so when we think about things like the fire tunnels, um, so let's go back to that a second. So we first made the point that, um, there, I don't, I, I haven't heard any credible biblical warrant for believing in fire tunnels, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. Um, but I think the better question to ask is are final fire tunnels anti-biblical. Um, is it against scripture? So the second question I want to ask is what is happening in the spirit realm here? Because something is clearly happening to these people, as we saw in the clips earlier. The question is, is what is happening? Are they, in fact, getting an impartation, as they call it, from the Holy Spirit when they walk through these things and they fall on the ground and people are having to drag them away and their bodies are shaking and they're laying there for hours and hours. Is this have a natural explanation? Is this mass hysteria? Um, but something seems to happen when they, these hands go on these people and uh, they fall down many times. And, and you read accounts of this and, and sometimes they describe lightning going through their body or electricity. Uh, sometimes they, they, 
experience. It's not always positive. Some people get like, have seriously like not good spiritual experiences going through these fire tunnels. So the obvious question is, is what's happening here? Um, are they getting infested with some kind of a demon? Um, personally, I don't think that a natural explanation such as mass hysteria is completely adequate to explain all of these experiences. Uh, we consistently see the pattern wherever we go. When people walk through these fire tunnels, there's this odd sort of shaking, fainting behavior. And in my opinion, it's just too pervasive uh, to have a natural explanation. Because if it was a natural explanation, some people could just walk through the fire tunnel and nothing would happen to them. And they'd walk through the, out, the other side and they'd be able to control it. But such a high percentage of, I mean, look at this woman. She's, she's going down right there. And then this guy, he can barely walk. I mean, that just seems to be pretty. Um... Now, some of these experiences, I think, could be manufactured, could be the result of mass hysteria. But I'm skeptical that all of them could be attributed to a natural explanation. So this leads me then to question the spiritual options. Um, are these manifestations the result of the Holy Spirit or are they the result of evil spirits? I'm going to check back in with our comments here. Cool. All right. So yeah, just keep going in the comments box. I will click back and check every so often. Um, just sort of looking at my notes. So if you see me looking off camera, I'm not, I'm not shifty eyed. I'm just trying to look at my notes. Uh, so I don't forget any points, but many people have noticed that there are eerie similarities between these manifestations that people experience when they go through the fire tunnels and videos that you see on YouTube that show the entrance of what are called Kundalini spirits that are the result of certain practices in Hinduism and particularly in yoga. Um, now, I don't recommend Googling Kundalini's videos. Uh, they're kind of scary. Uh, there are a lot of instructional videos on YouTube to help you open your chakra and to invite in this spiritual experience of the Kundalini. Um, and to, to release these spirits into your body. Don't do that. And I would not even really recommend watching those videos because I think that demons uh, could see it as a permission to, to enter your body or to harass you. So I, I don't actually recommend you, you be overly curious about this, but um, even just a cursory search, you can find tons of these videos on YouTube of how to open your chakras and so it's clear that that Christians aren't the only ones who are making this comparison. Um, and if we look at, I tried to find like a benign example. So we're going to um, first, um, we're going to look at this, this video from a Hindu temple. And um, we, uh, yeah, we don't need audio, but we'll just sort of look at it here. And so all these people are sitting in this Hindu temple and they're all waiting for their kundalini opening, their kundalini experience. And this woman, you can see her on the ground, her kundalini experience is already starting to manifest and starting starting to happen. They they roll around on the on the ground kind of like a snake and um yeah. It's kind of crazy their body and if you look at some of the other videos their body shakes quite similarly to what you see on these uh, fire tunnel videos and other manifestations in neo-charismatic churches. 
And um, these people just sit there. You can see even children are sitting there. They're, they're opening themselves up. They're trying to open their chakras and one chakra in particular to have this Kundalini experience and to wait for this, this spirit to come in. Now I would say from a Christian worldview, what they're inviting in, they're giving a permission an active permission to an evil spirit, to what we call a demon to come into their body. And this is how it often manifests. And again, I tried to pick kind of the most benign example I could. There's other like really scary videos on YouTube, people shaking and doing all kinds of weird stuff. But you can see him. He's he's going to drag her off to the side there. Not unlike the uh, people at the at the Bethel Church. Anyways, so again, um, that's just one very um, small example. Now I'm going to play a video from evangelist Heidi Baker, who is a missionary in Mozambique. Um, and I, I want to say, like, this is the perfect example of the difficulty with commenting on Bethel church issues, because there's so much that I like about Heidi Baker. There is, um, I, I think that there's, I have been so personally inspired by Heidi, um, to love more and to love the disadvantaged. And I think that there's aspects of her ministry that are very inspiring and have challenged me in my view of love. Love. Yeah. She has a saying, love must look like something. And that um, aspect of what she's done has been radically transformational in Mozambique. And she has done incredible work to um, help orphans there. And there's so much good to look at, but there's, then there's this other dark side. Um, and there's this side of the care, the neo charismatic tradition or, or stream of, of Protestantism where um, I think that, these people have opened themselves up to the demonic unwittingly. And they're, they, because in so many charismatic churches, there is sort of a de-emphasis on discernment and testing of spirits. Then it opens them up to all kinds of spiritual experiences. And so what I see is, is kind of, there's two errors on, on on either side. There's two extremes. There's the, the one side that says all supernatural things are demonic and we should avoid all supernatural things. It's all evil. And speaking in tongues is demonic. Um, all spiritual, all manifestations of the supernatural are demonic. And they, they kind of throw out everything. And then on the other side, the other error that I see is that just this general openness to everything in the spirit realm. We're just going to, we're just going to talk about all these spiritual experiences and there's almost no discernment. If I go back to the first Thessalonians five passage for a second, um, what I see there is do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. In other words, if the Holy spirit wants to do something, if he wants to tell you something, don't treat all words with contempt, 
but test them. And this is the part of it that I see is so missing in so many of these conversations about the supernatural is there's almost no discussion about testing. And we, we need to do more to talk about testing the, the spirits and testing what spirit is behind it. Because when somebody tells me I'm a spiritual person, I'm like, can you clarify? Because um, there's, there's a lot of spirits in the world and, and there's a lot of spirits behind things. Uh, uh, Cassie is saying she had an experience similar to what we're watching on the video um, where she fell out and it was like lightning and she was not expecting it. It hasn't happened since and there was no controlling it. And, and that's exactly what I'm saying is I think that, that many of these experiences are real and people can't control them and something happens to them and some people get injured. People who go through Kundalini experiences, there's many videos on YouTube to talk about how people get injured and hurt and are never the same after that. Something happens when we open ourselves up to spirits. The question is, is how are we doing it and what is coming in? What is it that we are fellowshipping with? So, all right, back to Heidi Baker. So Heidi Baker, I think, is the perfect example of the difficulty with the Bethel stream is that there are aspects of what Bethel teaches that I actually think are biblical. Um, and I talk about these things in, in other videos, but I think that, that they do some good work to challenge us to think about our identity in Christ. I think that's good. I think that's biblical. But on the other side, I see this increasing kind of drift into spiritualism and the new age and adopting these ideas and um, misusing science and quantum mechanics. And there's a book called The Physics of Heaven, which they try to use. And it's just a lot of really bad science. And I think that what they're trying to do is to say, well, this is all the Holy spirit and the biblical warrant that they give for that is this passage in Luke chapter 11. If you talk to people from Bethel, they quote this verse all the time and they'll tell you things like, um, that if we ask, uh, we will receive and we will find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he gives you an egg, uh, if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And if you talk to anybody from Bethel and you raise any kind of questions about the spirits behind these manifestations, they will quote you this verse and they'll say, well, the father wouldn't allow this to happen. The father wouldn't allow it. I'm, I'm seeking the Holy Spirit so the father will protect me. And um, I think that the difficulty with that is that I, I think that a lot of these people do get infested with demons in charismatic churches because they open themselves up to the to spirits in such a way that they leave themselves unprotected and they don't test. They don't test the spirits. So here's this clip from Heidi Baker. It's a very famous clip. Uh, uh, no, there's no sound. You know, I don't need sound. And you're going to see some words on the screen. I didn't write these words, so just ignore the words. But um, 
So here she is. She's giving an impartation of the Holy Spirit onto this young man. And then you, you see him like he's totally fine before she puts her hand on his head. And, and then he kind of falls down. And then after a little while, he just starts shaking. Well, this seems high. And she's encouraging everyone in the audience to put their hands on someone and to, to pray for more of the Holy spirit to come into them, to put a crown on their head. And, um, you know, so the question is, is what is happening here? It, what's interesting to me is it's a lot of this shaking that happens in these situations reminds me an awful lot of the description of the demonized boy in the book of Mark, that, that, that is a place where we see actual shaking and it is, it's from an evil spirit. Now, I'm not saying that a hundred percent of the time that people, when they shake, they're getting an evil spirit, but it does strike me as interesting the the parallels between the Kundalini experiences and what those look like in the physical realm, the description we have in scripture and what we see in um, these neo-charismatic churches. So again, what I am trying to get us to think through here is that I think that because we lack a practice oftentimes of testing the spirits, we just start, we see people chasing after these experiences. And so then I, what I've seen is that people actually get kind of addicted to chasing these experiences. I made a video some weeks ago about the courts of heaven. And that was a point that I made in that video is that what I see with these, these practices of like gold dust and angel feathers and, and fire tunnels and the courts of heaven, people just start chasing these experiences and they want to get more prophetic words and they try to bootstrap their way to maturity in Christ with all of these, these things, these experiences, rather than kind of doing the hard work of the Christian life and really digging deep into scripture and even having a commitment to suffering. I think that um, the part of the, the, the error that I see in many um, aspects of the, the neo charismatic stream is that it's, it's almost starts reaching this word faith kind of error where God doesn't want us to suffer and he wants you to live your best life now. Um, and the way that you get there is through all an endless stream of experiences and prophetic words. And I'm not sure I'm not at all convinced that that's actually a biblical paradigm. I think that when Christ calls us to be disciples, um, there's an aspect in which he's saying you have to be ready to carry your cross and to carry your cross means that you're going to be willing to die for me and uh, for standing for my word. And, and that's a, it's a very rare concept or conversation that I hear in the supernatural ministry stream. So how can we begin to test the spirits? Let's talk for a few minutes about that. Um, Well, one big question that I always ask is, does this experience lead to greater knowledge and instruction about scripture. Like if I'm having this experience, does it lead to greater knowledge? Does it really help me know more about my faith? Does it, 
It, does it really build my faith? Does it instruct me more in the ways of Jesus? Or is it a distraction? Does it become just something else that I am chasing? Let's look, flash back over to the uh, comments here for a minute. Um, yes, Juad is asking the question, maybe there could be a natural explanation uh, for these fire tunnel experiences. And um, it's coming about through people's own thoughts. I'm skeptical that that is an adequate explanation, Juad. I think that that is probably true in some cases, but there are far too many credible cases of people experiencing these things and they have no control over them. And um, so I am skeptical that a psychological or natural explanation is adequate to explain all of these experiences. In some cases, yes. In all cases, um, no. I think that something in the spirit realm is definitely happening there. Um, let's see. Uh, Kimba's asking about Lindsay Davis. Yes, I've watched uh, many videos by Lindsay Davis. Uh, she's coming out of the Bethel Supernatural Ministry School. She's now a very vocal critic of against uh, Bethel. And she came out of their school just a few months ago. She's a fairly recent um, uh, departee, if you will, of uh, coming out of that. She's been quite vocal. Um, and I think that for the most part, I think she's raising some legitimate concerns. Um, there's some things where I feel like, you know, she's, it's hard. She's in, she's a woman in a lot of pain. And so I want to have a ton of grace for her um, too. And for her story, but I think she does make some really interesting points. I watched a video earlier today on as a review, a kind of a review or a conversation with Lindsay Davis and another gal who came out of the new age and a guy who came out of the word faith movement. And they were reviewing a book or discussing a book called the physics of heaven um, that was a really interesting conversation. And um, so if you want to catch that, you could just go on YouTube and find it. Uh, Cassie says, my church does a really good job balancing. Uh, they say, seek Jesus and the supernatural should be a byproduct, but not to see the the miracle. Uh, I think that's some pretty good advice. And um, I would just go even a little bit further with, with uh, <coughs> excuse me, seeking Jesus and putting some theology and apologetics training, formal training into the, into the mix there. So hopefully your church is doing that as well. Uh, my friend Annette says she's seen these practices 23 years ago in Toronto and knew something was wrong. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the Genesis for a lot of these manifestations and that sort of thing. So let's go back to our, huh? Oh, Facebook has a comment. Okay. Let me, my husband's helping me here. I appreciate that. Going to refresh my screen and thank you for jumping on and all the great comments on such a random night. I've been yammering on for almost an hour now. So if you want to jump on with some questions, go ahead and do that now um, before I wrap up. Okay. Facebook. Uh, my friend Amanda is watching. She says there isn't anything new under the sun. Prior to Azusa Street Revival, historically, how did spiritualism manifest for Christians? I think that's a great question. And this is why I am open to the supernatural happening today. Because if you go talk to someone who's orthodox, um, they'll tell you that 
weird things happen. Like I, my one orth, I have one Orthodox friend. She was telling me this story of how a bishop, um, someone came to the bishop for, for prayer for, on behalf of his very sick family member who couldn't get out of bed to come for the prayer. So the bishop put um, a throat lozenge in his mouth, prayed over it, put it back in the wrapper, gave it to the person, told him to take it home, put it in the sick person's mouth and the person would be healed. And the person was healed. I mean, it's, it's sort of like these, this, this prayer handkerchief that, that Paul has in the book of Acts or walking in Paul's shadow. I mean, if the Orthodox who are, who are the people who make the claim that they're, they're, they're trying to preserve the, the, the apostolic faith. I mean, if they're, they're open to the supernatural and some pretty odd things happening, I, I'm not ready to just completely be a cessationist, but testing the spirits is a must. And so I don't want to fall into either side of the error. I don't want to fall into like, we're just going to demonize everything and every supernatural manifestation is a demon, but I don't want to say every supernatural manifestation is the Holy spirit either. So I've, I've got to do the hard work of the testing and the discernment to, to understand these things. Um, so what tests can we perform? I've already suggested one is to ask the question, does this lead to greater knowledge and instruction about my faith? Does it take me deeper places in my faith? Does it help me know something? Um, it says in first Corinthians chapter 12, I don't have that verse for the screen tonight, but it says in the first part of first Corinthians chapter 12, that a word of prophecy should lead to, um, you know, some instruction and edification. Well, if it's, if it's leading to an instruction that, that leads me to believe it's going to lead me to greater knowledge about my faith. Um, a second key test is what is the fruit? Does this experience make me more holy or more courageous to preach the gospel, more conformed to the image of Christ, more humble, um, more inclined to love my enemy? Um, does walking through a fire tunnel accomplish those things? I'm not sure. Um, when I hear reports about people walking through fire tunnels, um, I have yet, and I'm not saying they're not out there, but I haven't read a report yet of, Hey, I walked through a Todd white, I walked through a fire tunnel at a Todd white event. And afterwards I became, um, just more inclined to love my enemy. Like God gave me such a powerful anointing that I was able to love all my enemies after that, or that I was so much more humble, um, or I was so much more holy, or I kicked an addiction or I don't know. I'm just asking the question of, of what is the fruit, the direct fruit of the experience? Um, or does walk walking through a fire tunnel or engaging in any of these other practices, does it make me more thirsty to pursue more experiences? I think that's a legitimate question to ask because if, if I'm going to think like a demon for a second, Demons love to distract. See, what I, one of the things I've learned in deliverance ministry and deliverance ministry, for those who don't know, is, is the idea of the ministry of casting out of demons. Um, one of the things I've learned is that demons don't just have to fill our head with, with every deception on the planet. Uh, that would be too hard. They don't have to convince us of every horrible thing. They don't have to get us to play with Ouija boards. They don't have to get us to... Uh, sacrifice our children to Lucifer. They don't have to do that. They can just get us off 
our game simply by bombarding us with distractions and, and just enough deception to make us far less effective as Christians. Um, so if I find myself constantly pursuing more experiences, more prophetic words, and I'm trying to bootstrap my way to holiness by these experiences, that is probably not going to work. Um, and a question to ask yourself is if all I got was Jesus, like for the rest of my life on earth, and I had no more spiritual experiences from this point forward, would that be enough for me? Would it be enough? Because there's hundreds of years that go by sometimes in scripture between miracles. Like there's a, there's a hub of miracles around the time of Moses. There's another hub of miracles around the time of Elijah and Elisha. There's another hub of miracles in the birth and the life and the resurrection of Jesus and the early church and the apostles. But, but there's a lot of times there's hundreds of years in between. So, so just try on the idea for a minute. If you're trying to see if you're looking at these experiences in an idolatrous way, um, if all I got was Jesus for the rest of my life, would it, would it be enough? Would I, would I be grounded enough? Would I think that having the scriptures would be enough? I think that's a, it's a reasonable question to ask. Um, I think that being careful about these things is, is a good word of caution. I mean, if you find yourself just running into every spiritual experience, maybe, maybe you need to go like, go find a church that has a K Arthur inductive verse by verse Bible study. I mean, may, maybe just have some balance in your life. Uh, maybe that could be a thing. Um, so let's go back to the comments here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Laura Sanders says what I would hate to see is that people will focus on some of the more bizarre and extreme things going on and not be open to a genuine experience of the Holy Spirit. Laura, I'm so with you. I mean, this whole question of Bethel is so rough for me because I see grains of truth of what they're doing. And I, I see in some aspects a helpful corrective. But on the other hand, I see too much openness that I think gets well-meaning um, charismatic people infested with demons. And um, uh, Cassie's asking me if I'll do a show on deliverance. Uh, I have many videos on my YouTube channel about deliverance. Um, like I said, I am a deliverance minister, but I will tell you this. Um, my, the people that I work with when they come to me for prayer for, for deliverance, if they're more from a sensationist background, like Baptist, Lutheran, that type of background, um, those people usually don't even believe that hearing the voice of God is a thing. And, um, they have different problems with demons than people who come to me for prayer, who are from a charismatic background. Every single one of my people that I have prayed for and worked with in deliverance in a deliverance context, who came from a charismatic background, had a demon that talked to them as if the demon was the Holy spirit, every single one. And part of the retraining I have to do with those people is they, they get so rocked that what they thought was God was actually some percentage of the time, a demon. 
And they have been so conditioned to believe that the father would never allow any sort of demon, demonic harassment of them because the father would only give good gifts. Well, yes, the father does only give good gifts, but Satan also is an opportunist and he will come in and try to introduce deception and confusion and distraction. And so we have to be like so careful in what we're doing and, and, for those people, it is, it can sometimes really rock them that they had no idea that some percentage of the time, um, what they thought was the voice of God was actually a demon. Now, some percentage of the time they were hearing from the Holy Spirit, but it, 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 there's a lot of confusion for them and it is hard. So just kind of throwing that out there from a practical ministry standpoint of uh, what I've seen and experienced, um, in that, um, let's see. Annette says, you know, I just agree with Laura. I want to be careful. I believe in being grounded by the word of God and, and being discerning is key. I, I completely agree. And so I am trying to walk this middle position of let's be firmly grounded in the word. Let's have classes on theology and apologetics. Let's learn historical theology. Let's have an appreciation for the early church uh, in the first 300 years, let, let's understand those things. Let's, but let's not be um, anti-supernatural. Let's, let's not fall into that error. Let's, let's try to find some balance there. Um, so uh, do they preach the true gospel at Bethel? That is such a good question. Um, Annette is asking that. Um, how can I answer this succinctly? Um, here's what I've noticed in that stream of a neo-charismatic stream. These guys that go out and do street healings, like, you know, there's some, go Google Todd White, um, Pete Cabrera Jr. Uh, what's the guy, the Asian guy, Bob, um, Chin. Yeah. What's his name? Is it Jason or something? I can't remember his name, but he comes out of Bethel. Um, you go on YouTube and you see all these videos of street healers that'll go pray for you. Tom Fisher. Um, there's so many things there that I think are praiseworthy and good and true. And I, I've asked the question before when I've taught on evangelism, like whose model of evangelism looks more like the book of Acts? Is it Todd White or is it Billy Graham? Like you go to a Billy Graham crusade and you're going to get like just straight up when he was alive, maybe harvest crusade would be another example. You're going to get a straight up gospel presentation. But if you go out with Todd White or Pete Cabrera or these guys, and, and my husband has gone to Pete Cabrera's ministry school. And, and I think that like, there's so much good and praiseworthy there and, and so challenging. And I've grown in my faith as a result of studying those things. But what I notice with those guys is that it's a lot more like the book of Acts because they're going out and they're coupling the proclamation of the gospel with healing and with deliverance. And that's what we see in the gospels. And, and I, I think there's a strong biblical warrant that when Jesus came, the, the way that he, he told the, the disciples to go out, and this includes the 72 in, in Luke chapter 10, and also non-apostles in the uh, Acts chapter eight and other places, 
that that there was yes there was the proclamation of the gospel but there was also the coupling of that with healing and deliverance and raising the dead and on one side of the debate we have truncated the gospel to only mean the direct proclamation of the words and works of Jesus on the other side the other error i see in the neo charismatic stream is that they want to reduce it just to the signs and wonders And what I see in the gospels in the book of Acts is that it's both. You have to have the direct presentation of the gospel and a call to repentance, but the, the, the supernatural works should be part of the gospel going out because what we're doing is we're, we're proclaiming to the world, like it says in Ephesians and in Colossians, that there is no other name under heaven that is more powerful and more mighty than the name of Jesus. And so when they go out, um, they heal in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus and they proclaim the gospel. A couple of ministries that I think that get this more right is the last reformation um, with Torben Sondergaard. Now I have some doctrinal quibbles with Torben, but I'll leave that aside. But in general, his model of coupling a message of a direct gospel presentation with repentance and with the supernatural, I think is really good. Um, another one that I really like is, um, I think it's called the Elijah project. Um, they do a lot of work in India and in other countries and training people how to heal the sick and cast out demons as part of the gospel presentation. And they see entire villages come to faith in Christ, um, as a result of this. And to me, that more resembles the book of acts. Um, that might not be the right thing. I'll have to look at it. Yeah. So anyways, oops, we just gave him some free airtime. That's all right. Yeah. Whoever they are. (laughs) So, um, so anyways, so back to Annette's question, do they even preach the real, the true gospel at Bethel? I would say that one of Lindsay, what is her name? Lindsay Davis. Uh, this gal who came out of the Bethel Supernatural Ministry School, one of her critiques is that they don't actually do a whole lot of straightforward gospel presentations. And I would say that that's been true in my experience as well. And talking to these people, um, they don't, they, they don't often do that. And, and my, I should really have my husband help me here because he has much more experience in this realm than I do. He, he does street ministry and does pray for, go out and pray for people. Um, but he's worked really hard at developing a very succinct gospel presentation that he can give to somebody. So after he prays for them, he can, um, present them with the gospel. And I, I think that the, the best model in the book of Acts is, is that you want to have both. You want to relay the facts of the historical facts of the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and what that means for us. And as well as coupling that with um, the supernatural. So, okay. Um, Juwad says, to be honest with you, our faith should be based on scriptures rather than overplaying strange experiences about encountering the Holy spirit or angels. I think that it, it has the, the biblical precedent is that it's both. I mean, when we look at Juwad in the book of acts, and I don't know if you've read the book of acts, but um, it, there, there's clearly both people 
Um, and, and not these odd experiences that I'm talking about at Bethel and that sort of thing. But if you read through the book of Acts, when people encounter Jesus and they believe in him, part of the historic Christian position is that they do um, receive the power of the Holy Spirit and that it's the scriptures preserves the, hist- the history of Christianity and it tells us the message of Jesus. But when we believe in these historical facts about um, the life, burial, death, and resurrection of Jesus, um, when we place our faith and hope and trust in Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into us and supernatural things happen. Um, people's lives are changed. Um, people's addictions get broken. Uh, people aren't the same. Their desires change sometimes overnight. And so it, it really in the, in the Christian tradition, it's, it's both the scriptures tell us about our faith. They tell us what faith is, but then there is that personal experiential aspect of the Holy spirit coming to live and dwell in us. And if you know anything about my story Um, I was healed from multiple uh, mental illnesses about four and a half years ago. And that was definitely a spiritual experience. And so I cannot discount um, all spiritual experiences and say they're all 100% demonic. Um, Although I used to believe that. I used to say many derogatory things against Bethel and Um, that whole stream of Christianity, but I had to moderate my position and restudy the scriptures. And I, again, I'm trying to find kind of this, this third, this third way, if you will. So anyways, I want to make sure that I've answered all the questions and all the comments. I do hope that this has, this has helped you um, think through things in a little bit more detail. Um, And making sure I've covered all my points. So what should I do? Let me wrap up with this. What should I do? Uh, What should you do if you've gone through a fire tunnel and you've had, or you've had one of these kind of odd spiritual experiences in a neo-charismatic context? Well, I would say, um, you know, the most foundational thing, if you haven't yet done that is just repent, repent to the Lord for, um, maybe being overly curious or, or not being as discerning as, as you should have. Um, I would say stop if, if you're still doing it, um, you know, cease from, from, from doing these things. If, if you're, um, in, if you really believe that you're, you're starting to get engaged with, with demons. And I would say, get deeper into the word. Um, Graham Cook, who is part of the, the new apostolic reformation is a teacher that I think he has many good things to say. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think he has many good things to say. But one of the things that he says is that um, the Christian life consists of two things. It's, it's the kind of the daily grind of holiness of understanding our identity in Christ and becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. And then there are those moments where we have a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit and it pushes us forward in our spiritual life. It, it causes us to become more holy. It causes us to love our enemy or it heals our bodies and, or our brains in my case. 
but the the vast majority of the Christian life should should really be the the grind of studying the word, trying to renew our minds to come closer and closer to the image of Christ and to understanding our call to suffering, that part of the Christian religion is a call to suffering. It's a call to loving our enemies. And it is a hard, hard life. Um, and if the Christian life is not hard um, in, in that sense, um, you might not be really understanding what it means to be a Christian. Um, and again, I, I want to affirm that there's been a lot of good that I have learned from uh, people like Todd White and in the Bethel stream. It's not all bad. It's not all demonic, but you have to be very discerning. And I have a number of videos related to these issues on my YouTube channel. Um, and, and as we go forward, as people ask questions, I might do more. But um, listening to Todd White's videos, it has, it has helped instruct me about my identity in Christ. Um, it's encouraged me to be bolder about praying for people. Um, it's caused me to take great risks in loving people um, and seeing them the way that the Father sees them. Um, and these are all very good ideas. But you have to have that solid foundation of scripture. And that kind of leads me back to um, this gal, Lindsay Davis, who just came out of Bethel. When I hear her reflect on her time at the supernatural ministry school, I think that what happened to her is that there were all these practices and experiences in the, in the ministry school, but there was very little attention given to serious scripture study that a lot of the scriptures were taken out of context and what she's going through now is hard because she's basically having to reinterpret scripture over again. And she's trying to make sure that she's doing it in a good way. And um, so I think just a deeper knowledge of scripture Biblical illiteracy is high in the church. We're really good at wearing shirts with Bible verses on them. We're not as diligent about actually getting into the details of the word and studying it. So we have, to, I think it, we have to have both. Um, we cannot despise prophecies. We don't want to despise the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes he powerfully comes in, changes lives, heals people, healed my brain after 30 years of mental illness. Um, but um, we don't want to become deceived. And so we have to exercise deep caution and having um, a strong connection to the word. So anyways, um, I'm just going to end here with one more comment from Cassie. She says, my charismatic church has more outreach than any other Baptist church I've ever been to. In my experience, most denominations have pros and cons. Absolutely. Uh, Cassie, I absolutely agree with you. I think that every denomination has pros and cons. And we have to be willing to dig into the details sometimes to understand both what is the thing that unifies us across denominations and what are the things that cause us to be different from each other but to really hear each other out. Um, 
we don't want to fall into such a place of legalism that we think that everybody must look like us, but we also don't want to be so sloppy with the word as to um, think that uh, every experience ought to trump the word. Um, so I hope that this, this has been some, some helpful things tonight. I hope that you've benefited from the conversation and I do ask you to consider sharing the video. Um, you know, I watched a video. <laughs> I don't know why I do this to myself. I watched a video toward the end of uh, the day today. And it was about a, a young gal who lives in her car. And she's pretty excited about it. And she has a YouTube channel. And she had a video on her YouTube channel. Eight, over 800,000 hits on this video about her sleeping in her car. And I thought to myself, I'm wasting my life. Like, what am I doing? You know, and it just is really hard because I feel like I'm trying to give such life-giving messages here. But that was pretty discouraging in, in all honesty. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you feel like this message will help someone, I do hope that you'll share it. I do hope that not, not to get my numbers up, um, but just because I want to help point people to scripture. I want to help point people to Christ and to help combat some of these errors in our church. So I hope that this has been helpful to you. And I do thank you for watching. Thanks so much, everyone. God bless. Bye-bye.